The bush might be similar, but in the challenges it presented it was different, or so it seemed to him. He kept his eyes on the GPS device he'd been provided, steering toward the coordinates set earlier. When the device emitted a gentle beep, he braked and shut down the engine. With the motor off, he lowered the windows to allow air to circulate. It was hot and humid in the Chobe National Park, Perhaps there would be rain. He'd heard of the drought in the country. Everyone had. It constituted one of the reasons he sat alone in the middle of the game park in the early morning hours. He adjusted his night vision goggles and surveyed his surroundings. His view was defined by the infrared signatures, the glowing shades of green that merged into form from the darkness and then passed by him as if underwater. A few gazelle drifted by in the dark, grazing with a larger herd of kudu. Bright emerald points marked their eyes. They seemed skittish. A predator must be close by. As if on cue, a pack of hyenas, ghost-like in the green glow, drifted into view. The kudu wheeled and faced them, heads lowered, horns shining in the dim light. The pack hesitated. Should they risk a slashing and possibly lethal foray against those horns, or not? The crack of the rifle scattered the animals in all directions. The driver of the Land Rover never heard it. By the time the sound of the report would have reached his ears, the projectile, traveling at something like 1,500 feet per second, had reduced the left side of his skull to wet confetti. The right side, that facing the shooter, bore only a small but very ugly entry wound. The impact knocked him sideways. His arm pressed the horn button and it continued to wail until a late-model Toyota Land Cruiser pulled alongside. Its driver alit and looked in the truck, staggered back with a curse, and waved his companion out of the second vehicle. He shoved the body away from the steering wheel. The arm fell away and the horn went silent. The second man stepped from the passenger side, glanced into the truck, and saw the body. He, too, cursed. Then he walked to the rear of the Land Rover, removed four large bundles which he transferred to the Toyota, and slammed the rear closed. His partner released the handbrake on the Land Rover, and the two of them shoved it forward. It gained momentum and rolled down the gentle grade toward the water. Satisfied it would go far enough, Hopefully into the river itself, they brushed their footsteps away with a frond from a nearby bush, backed, turned, and drove away. The Land Rover, with its corpse, came to rest in a shallow wash several hundred meters down the track. Andrew Takeda had the Hilux in gear, and it started toward his contact when he heard the shot. He froze foot pressed against the clutch and brake pedals, and still positioned behind the stand of acacia where he'd parked while he waited for the delivery from the Congo. He watched as the new Toyota SUV drove up and two men alit, watched as they unloaded the Land Rover, watched as they drove away. Who? No, not who. What sort of person disliked this particular mission so much they would kill an innocent man and destroy material that could heal and restore the planet. He waited until they were well away, 
reversed, and drove off in a different direction. This was not good. Yuri Grishenko had never struck Leo Painter as one to gush. His checkered past had taught him caution in his speaking. Caution with a capital C. Taciturn hardly covered it. Yet he waxed ecstatic on this bit of sporting news. Why? Because it's the biggest sports event in the world, Mr. Painter. Bigger than the Super Bowl and your World Series combined. Bigger even than the Summer Olympics. That's why. It's an opportunity for us that will not come again in years, maybe ever. The bookings are pouring in. Which means what exactly? Money. There will be millions of people flooding into South Africa for the football. You mean soccer. Everywhere in the world is called football, except in the USA, Australia, and maybe New Zealand.